So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have James Hepner with us today, jameshepner.com, J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R.com. And we're going to be talking about how your insecurity is showing. And this probably sounds like a little bit of a salacious title. If you clicked on this, I'm guessing that you were, you're probably saying, okay, Doug, let's hear what you got here. And, but what James and I were talking about in the pre-show is how a lot of people think about like success or failure, ascent, descent, you know, whatever the kind of positively charged words and negatively charged words are. And people are like, yeah, I want the positive stuff, but I don't need any of the negative stuff. And the truth of the matter is that they're both part of that same cycle. And if you have the right perspective, they're not good or bad. It's just information. And so with that, I am going to just let that hang out there for a little bit and let James introduce himself. James, you know, tell everybody about yourself a bit. <laughs> oh, that there's value. We can just end the show right there. You yeah, basically just, yeah, said yeah, it yeah, all. End on a high note. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hey, so my life, what's it all about? Well, uh, let me say it like this. I, I married to the same woman for the last 22 years, been together for 27. I got two teenage kids. One is 17. His name is Rowan. I got Harrison, who's high-functioning autistic. They're both at a, um, a Tony Robbins event, Global Youth Leadership Summit this weekend. Rowan's leading for the first year ever, so we're really proud for him. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? And so the reason that I, you and I connected, yeah. Value. We all want to be about value. We don't want to be mm-hmm. wasting precious time. We want to be. And one of the things that I picked up when you and I talk, we all want to ascend. Who doesn't want to ascend? Sure. We want to transcend and ascend is what we want. All that I can say and all that I can breathe when I think about who I am is I once didn't make safe the very thing that's inevitable, which is the potential for feeling like we're losing is about in every situation. We have an yeah. idea, a business idea, a relationship ask the girl on a date, whatever happens, we sort of, you know, we have this, this concept. And what are the chances, listeners, that it's going to work out? Has it ever worked out exactly the way you thought? The answer is, you know. No, of course not. Of right. course not. Yeah, yeah. N- nothing ever works out the way you thought. Well, in, in fact, it's actually kind of interesting because if you like look at the straight numbers in terms of like, say, having a corporate career or becoming an entrepreneur in terms of expected value. So in other words, you know, median, average, you know, high, low range, et cetera. The expected value of being an entrepreneur is less than than having a corporate career, even a pretty modest corporate career, which means that failure rates are very high. The requirement to pivot is very high, et cetera. But, and this is the one caveat that I would put into that, and I can't take credit for this metaphor, but I think a lot of people look at being an entrepreneur the wrong way. It is not a, I'm an entrepreneur, I have one shot and it's over. It is as long as I'm not literally dead and have no ability to raise or borrow money, I can keep trying again. So it's basically a slot machine that only costs you time to play and you just keep pulling the handle until it pays off. And when you think about it like that, then it puts a whole different spin on it because instead of saying, oh my God, I might fail. Okay, okay, yes, you might. And you might fail again and again and again and again. And as long as you don't make the same mistake twice, Mm -hmm. you will almost certainly fall onto something that works before you die. It's fascinating, Doug, right? And I love the way you, put, you said it so eloquently. I'm going to just botch this probably. But if we want to set ourselves up to enjoy the game 
and actively show up and participate with what's directly in front of us, we are going to want to do honor and pay attention to what happens when we feel like we're losing something. Because honestly, if we don't do that work, we're hooped. We're completely hooped. Because what will happen is we're only going to run towards opportunities where our confirmation bias and our insecurities are showing so badly that literally we have convinced ourselves through the land of fantasy that we're just going to win. When in reality, we just revealed we'll never, it'll never work out exactly what we thought. So we have to be okay at some degree. Every innovation, every thought, any leader, CEO, executive, every single person, when they choose, even now you and I speaking forward, we're, we're literally having to do justice and honor that death is happening right now. I thought I was going to say this, but this is coming out of my mouth, right? And so we have to like do a mini funeral. When we have an idea, we present it. We have to be okay. And here's the thing. Why does it threaten a human so terribly much? Think about insecurity. It's somebody mm-hmm. who reveals that they're threatened by anything. Why does it threaten us humans so much if we don't know something? Or that apparently if it doesn't work out, that yeah. we may just fall apart. Think about this. How many of you yes. listeners don't, often think you need more willpower. That's probably the thing you need least of. Because willpower literally means that if you're in the boardroom, Uh you're the first one that's going to exhaust. If other people are showing up beyond willpower, they just stay in the room longer than you and you exhaust. Willpower always ends. So you want to get to another place where you make safe something without needing to bring willpower all the time. Back to the thought, if you want to set yourself up to win, you will do the work on saying, yes, I want to ascend, but how do I ascend? By making safe the ascension and the descension. And by the way, folks, descending isn't some like dark night of the soul. It can be, it doesn't need to be. It just makes safe the inevitability of what life and reality actually all is. Yeah, well, and was I think there was an audiobook I was listening to where it was actually telling uh, one of the things I was talking about was uh, Andre Agassi, you know, in his tennis career. And at some point in the late 90s, you know, he was ranked like, say, 150th. And I think he, you know, he was arrested and tested positive for crystal meth. I mean, he was just basically, you know, essentially, you're just about washed out. Well, and because he did not actually want to be number one in tennis. That's what everybody else told him he was supposed to want because he was really good at it. Turns out that what he really wanted was to create opportunities for kids who came from rough backgrounds. And so what ended up happening was tennis ended up being the way that he fueled what he really wanted his life to be about. And then, of course, he got back up to number one. I think he was the to date is still the oldest person who has been ranked number one in tennis. And to me, I think that's a lot of that's what it's really about is you know, to really figure out what it is that you really, really want. You know, I actually, I think the, the bumper sticker for that chapter was don't want what you don't want. In other words, understand what it is that you really do and don't want. And don't go after something that you don't actually want because you, you think somebody else says you should. And that's actually really hard to do. Uh, you know, I was in a 20-year corporate career and all of us wanted to try to get promoted because we thought we were supposed to get promoted, mostly so we can demonstrate that we're superior to the to our peers who got promoted more slowly than us. But of course, there were a couple of things that I discovered in that journey. So number one is that if you really want to climb the ladder, 
at some point you have to say my entire life is about the company and I'm going to freeze out everything else. You know, of course, you know, I'll actually show up for stuff, but I've still got to be messaging and I've still got to be calling into to meetings on vacation, stuff like that. That was number one. Number two is that in order to really, really ascend, at least in the company where I worked, I spent a lot of my career at Intel, although a number of co- other companies will be the same way. The way that it works is you essentially have to posture so that your ideas or the ideas you're behind look like the most important things that have ever happened. That will inevitably require that you take things that you know are terrible ideas and pitch them like they're the best thing that's ever been invented. And when they inevitably crash and burn and fail, you have to find a way to blame somebody else. Mm-hmm. I thought that was stupid, but that's a part of the game too. And so, you know, so what I ultimately got, came to the conclusion of was that that is not something I want. I go, okay, yes, everybody wants to have an important sounding title, a lot of money, all that kind of stuff, you know, but if it comes at the cost, essentially needing to live in an alternate reality. And by the way, okay, I need to put a third pillar on there. The third pillar is that when you ascend in management hierarchies, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, you end up having to spend a disproportionately large amount of your time on internal politics, meaning that your other skills can very easily atrophy. So you can quit. At some point, you'll get to a point in your career where your primary or possibly only skill is managerial politics, at which point, if you get transported outside of the organization that you're currently in, your market value could decline very precipitously. So, but anyway, enough of my soapboxing. That was one of the, one of the things that came to me as I was coming through my career, which is a part of what inspired my, my shift. You know, now, you know, getting dropped on the street during COVID was the trigger event, but it was always there. Yeah, gosh, you know, you say, you know, corporate hierarchies, I think that's how you put it. You know, for me, I just say status hierarchies, you know, yeah. two hierarchies, one's growth and one's status. And so I, you know, I totally get where you're coming from. It's so fascinating to me, you know, gosh, Doug, so I'm a strategist. People yeah. call me a self-help hacker. Uh, why? Uh, simply because, uh, you know, I do study behind some very proficient people. People find me when the life that they want to live just no longer works, right? So yeah, I, I you know, I once had the cars that, and I still do. But let me say this, I went through a journey where, and us humans, we all are invited at some point in time to move from the external life into the internal world. Yeah. Because the internal controls the external. And so if we find value mostly by what we can present or uh, produce on the outside, we're, we're very easily threatened. And so that's where insecurity begins to show. And so 2008 came along, of course, the housing crisis. I was in the real estate sector. We owned a land development company and and all this kind of stuff. My son was born with high-functioning autism. We went through audit, different things. Listen, I checked out a life for about two and a half years. And it was really not a beautiful show. And so I learned a few things. And that is if we try to eliminate and, and try to not make room for life experience and we try to blame ourselves, that just simply won't work. And so I eventually, as Grace would have it, I woke up, right? It's one of these yeah. things. And so somebody taught me, and as I went through, so currently, like, and for about a decade, I have this insatiable love with life. I just love to participate with what yeah. is directly in front of me. And so, so the news, uh, let's say like this, us humans, we become so proficient at turning news into bad news. And so you were saying earlier, if we sort good to bad, we're always going to be like looking for what's right, wrong, good, bad. But if you ever want to throw yourself into a hellish existence, you're going to be the judge of these things versus utilizing. You see, life yeah. says it's smart if you want to harmonize around me. If we say life should harmonize around us, it doesn't work like that. And so if I think about a lesson that I learned, there's a guy that I connected with uh, many moons ago. And he says, really, the simplicity of personal development is to say, I want it as it is. I want it as it is. And I thought, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. That, that then means if there's something going on in life that's atrocious. Like when I think about your situation, 
there you were yeah. and your corporate environment said, can you get behind our beliefs for our reasons? And that's yeah. not fair. It's not helpful. That is very violent to the surround, to the community. There's no problem with having a corporate environment that says we have a collective vision and we want everybody to kind of like work towards this vision, but you must activate the reasons behind it in each individual, their unique reasons. If you do it for their reasons, like if they would have found a way to do the work with you, that you would have activated your reasons to help them get their goal, you would have been more than happy to do it. But that wasn't what happened, right? And so to the point that you were saying earlier, right, we, to some degree, and I'm going to kind of botch this probably, but we need to, you know, I study behind a psychoanalyst and we need to be very aware that if we're trying to solve to be, the ultimate, like, let's say we're a, you know, an agent for a company and we say we, yeah. we want to be ultimate agent X. That's a role we have in life. And the role is, yeah. is based into our external, how we express life. But if we say we want to be the ultimate person, that then means that as soon as somebody pokes us or something yeah. happens, life happens. You know how it is in that space. Yes, exactly. And then we fall apart. So the idea actually is, if, if we're honest and most truthful, you want to be just I want to be just a good enough dad or just a good enough podcaster. And the reason for it being, it keeps you humble. It keeps you curious. It keeps you engaged. It keeps you focusing on your strengths, meaning what do I know and what don't I know? I yeah. both know something and I don't. So that's what you a person really wants. To want it as it currently is, is to say, I'm here now. Like I just had two thoughts and I lost them. Yeah. And so it's like, how can I want that? The only thing is, I'm observing you and I can, and you know, I'm pitching and catching off your energy. So I can see there's something brewing in you. So I'm going to let that be the good news. So I'm going to be yeah. quiet now. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, because one of the things that I was just thinking as you were talking is I was actually coming, coming back to one, one of the points we were talking about in the pre-show and kind of in the intro, which is, you know, kind of viewing what's happening in your life as information. So then, you know, because like, for example, okay, you know, let, let's say you try something out and you end up making a ton of money. Okay, great. That's information. Now you have more resources you have more stuff that you can, you know, there, you know, you have more stuff you can do. Okay. Well, let's say 2008 happens and your land deal falls apart. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, the loans have been called in, uh, you know, I'm subject to litigation. All right. I'm going to have to go, go repivot. Okay. So now all that's the information, you know, go forward and figure out what the next thing is. And so, but the thing is, as long as you maintain that, I guess I would call it mental lens that no matter where you at, you can always figure something out. I mean, because, you know, even with inflation, it's, actually not all that hard to generate. You can actually live surprisingly well on a fairly modest amount of money. And, you know, it's not all that hard to generate it. You know, now, of course, the thing that gets tricky is when you start to layer on extravagances. And so, but the thing is, as long as you go through saying, hey, you know, one way or another, I can figure out a way to be all right. Myself and my family, we won't be destitute. It might not be the palatial existence that I had in my mind, but that probably wouldn't have been as great as you thought it would be anyway. You know, so I think that at least for me, that's the, that's the frame that's really important because that, that's really the way that you can really? just sort of take things as they come as opposed to being tied to an outcome, you know, because whenever you're tied to an outcome, there's only one way things can, you know, if, if things turn out, you know, good <laughs> or bad, there's only one way things can turn out that will make you feel like, oh, okay, that was all right. And if you're talking entrepreneurship, the odds of that are pretty low. And so it, that means that at any given time, you'll be dealing with feelings of doubt, anxiety, insecurity. Oh my goodness, it didn't work out. Oh, I'm such a loser. Oh, you know, why couldn't I figure that out? Oh God, why doesn't anybody want to work with me? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But 
the thing is, there's reality is way more complicated than a lot of us want to think. And the thing is that most of the stuff that we're afraid of, fear just exists in your mind. Unless you're literally going to die, you don't really have anything to be afraid of. You know, that's easier said than done. But I think the, the, the example that I like to give, right? I was in the Marine Corps. Okay, well, the Army, Navy, Marines, you know, they, you know, through the process of boot camp, basic training, they condition out the natural human response to run away from fire, from if you're being shot at, to run away, to saying, okay, we're being shot at, here's the orderly way that we go and attack. You know, that's something you have to condition. That doesn't happen naturally. And similarly, I would say that, you know, just viewing everything that you see really as just information as opposed to good information or bad information, that's something you have to condition. It doesn't happen naturally. The unhelpful side and the unhealthy side of ego always appoints itself as most important. Yeah. So ego controls what the military does really well, very well. They nicely have you temper and mature your yeah. ego so that when you leave there, we can either still be looking for ego control mechanism or we can yeah. move towards expanding our ego container. Because here's the thing. Once your ego is mostly under control, ego container, you actually want to build ego container because ego container helps you hold. So what I think ego container, it's like, okay. In order, what you're talking about is you would have to become okay for like a positive for a second. I'll regroup for you to come across and say, I'm going to be okay with things the way they're going to unfold. That would require that you would bring safety to basically any outcome. You'd say, if this happens, I'll be okay anyway. If I die, I'll still be okay. Meaning yeah. you, you go ultimate. You're saying worst case scenario, that's a good hint right there. And that's how you're going to kill that unhelpful side of the ego. If the worst happens, I'll be okay anyway. So you resolve for that. Yeah. But then when you resolve to that, then you can do some of the work where you'd be like, okay, so now I'm going to learn. So to your point on learning about yourself, we tend to think we only learn about ourselves best when we're ascending. The only thing is we're defined through how we absorb and how we handle the uncertainties of our life. Mm -hmm. So uncertainty, uh, unfortunately, COVID has revealed most people don't really have a stomach or an appetite or a desire for the taste of uncertainty. If anything, they want certainty, so much of it. The, the problem with certainty, and there's nothing wrong with it, but the problem with certainty is if we look for it out there. Because certainty isn't found out there. Certainty is brought from within. So what we must do is we must, so this is what I help my people do. We, we get really comfortable. We learn to comfortably, Tony Robbins says, you have to comfortably learn to enjoy uncertainty. And to the exact degree that you do is how you enjoy your life. And so here's what happens. When we learn about ourselves, we learn that descending doesn't need to make us so super insecure that we're going to just say that we know it all or yeah. we're big like the United States. And I have no problem with the United States, but and I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but if it's constantly like we know it all, meaning we got answers everywhere, that's a very shallow, insecure way of looking because the ultimate leadership style is here's what I know, but I must know my weaknesses. If I know, don't know my weaknesses, I'm crap out of luck. Right. And so yeah. certainty is something that we create from within and we must find a way of doing it because here's the, the really cool thing and i'll tap it off with this resourcefulness is a choice and if you're only resourceful when you're ascending my friend you know what happens yeah <laughs> you know in the military when you were a marine 
If you thought you were winning and you're only going to be resourceful then, uh uh-uh. If anything, they demanded and commanded of you that when you were uncertain, you must be resourceful. If not, your ass is toast. You're done. Yes. Improvisation was our watchword. Typically because we usually didn't have the the funding to have all the supplies that we needed. So we, (laughs) in order to get something done, we almost always had to figure something out. (laughs) You are so gracious when you say supplies. It's like, what? Did you need some arts and craft papers or something? No, I needed a bigger gun because there's yeah. unfriendly or something's going on i needed to like whatever blow up this mine we didn't have it so we had to throw a pebble or send a dog yeah, yeah. Or something. exactly oh, yeah yeah sorry brother <laughs> yeah, I had to break something. yeah no, that's that's how, well that's how it goes teaches you how to be resourceful yeah but uh, all right james it's been a wonderful conversation just one or two last thoughts uh to cap everything off and then uh, shout out your website one more time mm, i love it so much okay so, and again, for your listeners, I challenge each one of your listeners to think about what some of your values are that you would like to anchor to, because here's what I hear in life most often. We tend to have an expectation of things. Yeah. Really what we're trying to do is have deep appreciation for. And so to activate appreciation for the externals of our life, we have to get really appreciative of investing in ourselves. Yeah. And investing in ourselves looks a little bit like deciding what are your core values. So think about four, four or five things, maybe three, but no more than five values that are your personal values. And these are things that when life really goes crap for you or toast on you. Yeah. So exactly what you're talking about, Doug, when things don't work out, when you're descending and you don't know where to leave yourself, whatever's going on, that these things will pick you up from the ashes and will bring that resonance and return you back to resourcefulness. So for example, I'll give you mine. These are just my own. Yeah. Please think of your own as well. But here are mine. Number one, life owes me nothing. I used to think life owed me everything. I was always complaining. And I, you know what I mean? It's like more than a yeah. decade ago. But life owes me nothing. Number two for me is nothing has to be perfect. You see, I'm a perfectionist. I like to do things, everything perfect. The yeah. only thing is perfect is really significantly focused. I'm focusing on me. So nothing has to be perfect. I remind myself of these values every day. Number three everything is a co-creation and number four nothing traps me everything frees me so i make these comments not through hyperbole and not through fantasy talk but this is my reality and this is what allows me to show up and be in a state of non-selective gratitude which by the way the reason we want to be in a state of non-selective gratitude is because if you're grateful you can't be angry and you can't be depressed Okay. And you're going to stay in a good, you're going to make good decisions. And the key thing about all of this is if you ever want to play with fear in a better way, what you're going to want to do is not be afraid of fear. Yeah. And when you activate your core aligning values to your point earlier within the corporation that you're working within each staff member, each person in life, when you decide what your values are, then then you're setting the company up. For if they say, what are the things that you value most? How can we engage with these things to help you feel these things that you have here when we win with company vision, right? People can find me. So to your final question, people can find me by simply going to jameshepner.com. And again, that's J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R. I do one-on-one coaching. I do weekly wins and losses. I have a blog. I have podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me there and we can engage there. But it's been an absolute pleasure, Doug. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. All right, James, you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Take care. All right. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. 
All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.